Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. You can see Father Morris here. It's a Monday, and we're both working on <clears throat> content for the show today. And uh, Father Murr, I want to thank you again for taking time to join us here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. It's always it's it's a pleasure, and you know that. You know, Father, it, I, it, is. it, it is. seems like I have more contact with you since we've been doing radio. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, it's just it's it's great, and here we are, thousands of miles apart. But I get to see it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's a lot to there's a lot to complain about in today's world. Yeah. But communications oh, yeah. is not one of them. No. This is fantastic. What a what a marvel. Yeah. You know, Father, I'm I'm trying to look for this article I read on from the about the Dutch church, a bishop there. He's like a lone ranger, and he's been making some statements regarding the church's condition and how the Dutch church is probably, he said, what the most secular church. In the in the world at that particular community, and we remember you're old enough, and I am to remember the Dutch Catechism, and how that was. A, I'm gonna, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you something, Terry. Uh, what I was what I was hoping is that we would get the text. I can't find the complete. No text. problem. But I, I you remember. Know, you know who has it, Anthony uh, Stein. I listen. Anthony to it. Stein yeah. has the complete text. It's remarkable what this man said. I mean, he's so clear. I could hardly believe he was a Catholic bishop. Yeah, that's so funny. Well, he he's but, but I'll tell you I'll tell you something else too. Tell me. That forget the Dutch catechism. Yeah. I mean that's that 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 was, was catastrophic. Yeah. Okay, catastrophic. Yeah. However, let me just tell you that this bishop in Holland yeah. is talking about what happened to his church. He says the medium age of, of mass attending yeah. attendees <laughs> is in is in their 70s. That's right, that's right. He said, except for those traditional communities which are flourishing, of but the, otherwise everything is empty. And maybe this Mr. is a yeah. Holland. Just let me just give you one statistic. Well, hang on one second, Mister Richard, our engineer. Print out that document on LifeSite News for us, please. Continue, uh, Father. This this should this one fact should knock your socks off. Okay. Holland has closed most of its seminaries, most of its churches. Mm -hmm. All of its schools, it, it, it's a shell of what it was. Right. But but before the Second Vatican Council, Holland was sending 800 newly ordained priests every year, Terry, to the missions in Asia, Africa, uh, uh, Latin America. 800 priests a year. Yeah. Now they don't have enough to take care of their own parishes, and they've closed over half of well, not to change the uh, this subject. Should, this should, tell you, this should yeah. tell you where things are. But you know, Father, the same thing happened in Africa. We were sending missionaries to Africa in the 1900. There were very few Catholics. And within, what, is that uh, 100 and some, 120 years? Now they're sending missionaries to convert <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, it's you know. True. It, it's true. I'm laughing because it's true. Yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, I have many African priests here in the United States that are going to school. I just hope they don't get... Um, persuaded in the wrong way because they're orthodox priests and i just got one yesterday he says terry i heard you guys talking about the african bishops thank you so much we we uh we're willing to stand and take a hit for the for jesus and i said yeah you guys they sure are they sure are awesome they sure and, are. and you know father on a positive side i wanted to add before well you know what let me let me get the gospel in and then we're going to get into something that hey it's the eucharist i mean uh <clears throat> we know we heard about a massive, a beautiful conversion of a famous movie star, okay? And I want to talk about LeBeouf and saying that what got him, Sheila LeBeouf, what got him to convert to the to Catholicism? And a Capuchin friar 
in an article talks about what it was, and it's the source and summit of the Christian life, the Eucharist, but we'll talk about that. But let me, let me get the gospel in and sheen, and then we'll continue on this. So the gospel for today, the end of the month, uh, is Mark chapter uh, 5, verse 1 to 20. Would you want me to read it, Father, or do you want to read that? I wish, I wish you would. I don't have it at okay. hand. Jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the sea, to the territory of Gethsemane. When he got out of the boat, at once a man from the tombs who had an unclean spirit met him. The man had been <clears throat> dwelling among the tombs. No one could restrain him any longer, even with a chain. In fact, he had frequently been bound with shackles, shackles and chains, but the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles smashed, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs, and on the hillsides, he was always crying out, bruising himself with stones, catching sight of Jesus from a distance. He ran up, prostrated himself before him, crying out in a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjourn you by God. Do not torment me. He had been saying to him, Unless an unclean spirit come out of the man, he asked him, what is your name? He replied, Legion is my name. There are many of us. And he pleaded earnestly with him not to drive them away from that territory. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there on the hillside. And they pleaded with him, Send us into the swine. Let us enter them. And he let them. And the unclean spirit came out and entered the swine. The herd of about 2,000 rushed down a steep bank into the sea, and they were all drowned. The swineherds ran away and reported the incident in the town and throughout the countryside. And people came out to see what had happened as they approached Jesus. They caught sight of a man who had been possessed by a legion, sitting there clothed in his right mind. And... They were seized with fear. Those who witnessed the incident explained to them what had happened to the possessed man and to the swine. Then they began to beg him, leave the, this, their district as he was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed pleaded to remain with him. But Jesus would not permit him, but told him instead, go home to your family and announce to them, all that the Lord in his pity has done for you. Then the man went off and began to proclaim in the Decapolis what Jesus had done for him, and all were amazed. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. Sounds Christ. to me, Father, like business, that what Jesus uh, coming to that territory made business really bad for the pig uh, farmers. Yeah, they didn't, I'm sure they didn't like him much no, after that. No. The, <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's the message here? Well, I, I think Fulton J. Sheen, our, our hero, yes. did a great job, mm -hmm. did a great job on this by comparing this gospel, uh, seeing this gospel yeah. in the light of Carl Menninger, Dr. Carl Menninger, Jewish Menninger man. Institute, yep. right? Yeah, Jewish man. He wrote a famous book in the 19, uh, I think late 60s or early 70s, uh, that I thought was fantastic. I should reread it. Uh, the name of the book is Whatever Became of Sin? Question mark. 
And what Menninger is saying in the book is that a great part of our difficulties today are moral difficulties. Mm -hmm. They're not psychiatric difficulties in, in that sense, but they're moral difficulties. Right. And he said, the problem with our society is that we've done away with sin, mm -hmm. right? Well, Fulton J. Sheen takes up three characteristics that Manninger puts down as far as the, the uh, three, three things wrong with our society. And they are violence, over-sexualization, I would say, and schizophrenia. Yep, exactly. And the division of man and himself, of personalities. He does, he looks at this gospel in that light. And those three characteristics are in this demonic, a demonically, a demon-possessed individual. They're exactly that, exactly that. And... I, you know, you really should. I, I recommend to people to read that. Whatever I became of sin, I know like, I got that because of Fulton. Isn't that great? Awesome! It's a great, it's a great book. It's a great book. Anyway, uh, I'm not going to get off on a tangent there because it would be a whole program. That's right. It could but Sheen Sheen takes Menninger's three analysis of what's wrong with our society today and finds them in this gospel brilliantly, and they are all signs of the demonic. Right. That's the whole idea. Right. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. So that's awesome. And, and again, you know, it seems to me, it seems to me that this whole over-sexualized culture that we're in right now has entered the church. Just look at the document on uh, the scandalous, you know, a document, in my opinion, uh, fiducio supplicants. I mean, Cardinal Seurat calls it the heresy of same-sex blessings. I, I happen to agree with the cardinal. Oh, uh, yeah, so I now have that document. Thank you, Richard. Um, the point I'm trying to convey here is the, se the um, sexual revolution affected the Catholic Church in a very sad way because look at um, when we can have the prefect for the doctrine of faith write pornographic books and not be uh, you know, removed, that tells me everything about how much the sexual revolution has affected the Church in a very bad way. Everything. Absolutely, Everything. absolutely. Look, you know, and he, he says this. Here's his excuse for that whole thing. With this, he, 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 uh, he pardons himself. Mm -hmm. I was very young when I wrote that book. Yeah, no excuse. Well, yeah, wonderful. He was in his 30s. Yeah. He was, he was already a priest, priest in his 30s. Yep. Also, uh, let, me, let me just tell you something. Uh, here, I'll make, a, I'll make a small confession. Yeah. Terry, you want, you want to hear a sure, why confession? Not? We're all sinners. You read you read what my first book that I that I wrote. I did. You read it years ago. Yes. All right. Now, that happens to be a true story. Yeah. And you knew it. Yeah. But I had readers. I had readers. Hang on a second. Me. I want to hear the, to the end of this. We got to take a quick break. We're at a hard time. We'll be right back with the Terry and Jesse show. Father Charles first got a good story to tell. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Burst talking about a story about his book that I read, his first book. Oh, well, now we have time to tell the rest of that story. Go ahead, Father Murr. 
Well, I, I think you'll I think you'll agree, Terry, that the that the first book that I wrote, I wrote it in novel form, oh, yeah. was a shocker. Oh yeah, right? you're kidding me. Yeah, oh yeah. Right. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. It, it, first of all, it happened to all have been true. Yeah, that was true. That's so, I mean, the, the, some of the some of the, the most shocking things in life are true. Yeah. However, I got complaints from from readers. Not everyone. A lot of people liked it, but I got a lot of complaints with from readers because. Some of the language that I used oh, it was rough. in writing yeah, I get it. was raw. Yeah, it I, was. I liked I liked the use of the word raw. It was more than rough. It was raw. That's a bit well, it was rough I, because that's the way people talked. Yeah. So I said, "Am I going to do this real, or am yeah. I going to clean it up?" Anyway, I took it off. I took it off print. Yeah. I took it off publication. I didn't know. Be, I did because because it, I didn't want to offend anybody, right. and the people who wrote me to say that they. They thought it was too. It was. It was too much. Yeah. I I wrote them each one of them and, and apologized. Yeah. But I took it off. My my point isn't to scandalize people. That right. that's not what I'm a priest for. And if I did, I apologize. Now, I tell you that to also say how how difficult could it have been yeah. for for the Cardinal uh, uh, Fernandez yeah. to simply say. Boy, did I make a mistake. That was terrible. Cold I apologize for humility. it. And I was so embarrassed I took it off print. Okay, right. good. No, no. No apology. It was fine. It what his only the only thing that his defense was, I wouldn't write it again today. Yeah. Probably not. It'd probably be worse. It'd probably be worse yeah. today. He's got more life experience behind it. And and the challenge is, is he's the prefect for the doctrine of the faith. Now, That's incredible. I mean, That's incredible. The guy, he's the gatekeeper. And so <laughs> This is why it's just incredible. Yeah, and there's a new document coming out, you know, on the human dignity. I, I, can you imagine this guy? You think I'm going to pay attention to him? I, I no, no, no. Father, before we and I, I before we get into this other article about the Dutch Church, there, I want to give some good news, and that is uh, about the uh, director. I should say the the uh, the film Padre Peel film Le Bouffe actually played Padre Peel. I'm sure that also affected him. But he said that um, that the Mass and the Eucharist were pivotal in his conversion to Catholicism. What's interesting, I find, is he was going to a traditional Latin uh, Mass. And uh, he had kind yes. of a rough background as a kid. And this sacredness of the Mass just grabbed him in a way that uh, just was like the beauty of the Mass. And he said, I want that. I think that's, again... It's consistent with what we've seen, whether it's the church in Dutch, Dutch church or anywhere in the world. Traditional Catholicism replicates itself. Modernism, watered-down Catholicism doesn't, rep doesn't re um, reproduce. And we see that all over the world. So I just think his conversion story speaks volumes about the position that we got to go back to the beauty of the Catholic faith and not be so worldly and our approach to God, because this is what I see. But what are your thoughts? No, there's no question of that. And, and what attracted him, uh, Shia LaBeouf, what, what attracted him to Catholicism was the beauty of the traditional Latin mass. Right. Uh, it, it's, uh, it should be said, too, that he began to, he began to be pulled into that, mm -hmm. attracted to that, yeah. because he was playing the part of Padre Pio, yeah. In a, in a movie, right? All right. Now, when I heard that he was, when I heard that Sheila Booth was was going to play Padre Pio, I said, "What are you kidding me? 
Yeah, you got to very colorful. Yeah, but, well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a prude. You know that. Yeah. But I, I did turn off one of his previous movies. Yeah. I, I just turned it off. Yeah. I, I thought it was. I just, I just, I disagreed with the. It was, it was raunchy. I found it raunchy. Yeah. Anyway. Well, he grew. He, uh, he did that. He but did when that. I, heard, when I heard that he was the one chosen to play the part, I was that, that got my attention. But the marvelous thing that happened to him. Yeah is he went in to study more and more his character. Right. He had to go to a monastery. Character, Padre Pio. Yeah. He wanted to really know Padre Pio because yeah. he had started hearing things about Padre Pio. Right. Padre Pio is a, is a marvelous, marvelous figure of the last century. Sure. Incredible. Well, as he got into it, he also realized that Padre Pio always offered the traditional Latin mass. That's right. Well, he started going to that to see what it was all about. Right. And and became absolutely taken with yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Right? Now, you hit the point of this, and this is true. What did he find in it? He found beauty. Yep. He found beauty. He found truth. Yep. He found goodness. That's exactly it. How in the world do you think, let me put it this way to you, mm -hmm. of the great composers and I'm talking Beethoven, Mozart, yeah. uh, uh, Bach, yeah. uh, uh, Gounod, one after another, the other. All of them composed masses. Yes, that's right. Great point. Class, in, in classical music, they, they, are, they are, I think, the most beautiful mass that I've ever heard put to music was Gounod's Mass of St. Cecilia. Okay. If, any, if you ever want to get inspired... Take the text of the mass mm -hmm. and follow Gounod. Gounod is the famous Ave Maria, right, of Gounod. Sure. But Gounod also wrote the, 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 the hymn, the, uh, the anthem for Vatican City. Wow. Romi mortale. Anyway, that, that's Gounod. But all of these great men composed one of their, some of their greatest works were around the mass. Mm -hmm. They took the text of the mass. The Kyrie, the Gloria, Credo, Sanctus Agnus Dei. Yeah. They composed music. If you'd like to see what happened to the modern mass, Terry. Yes. Get a hold of Bernstein. Yeah. Bernstein's mass. It's a it, it, it's a, a travesty. Yep. It's a travesty. It's a, it's a, a train wreck. Yep. He decided he was he like an old great composer going to write a mass. It's a train wreck. What I'm saying is, <clears throat> it's the beauty that attracts. Exactly, and that calls into that calls the soul to to a to a peaceful place. Wonderful, and that's exactly what what uh, what uh, Sheila Buff experienced. I think, and the conclusion of the story was, he studied for over a year, the Catholic faith. Yep, was was uh, received into the church, made his first Holy Communion. Yep, went to confession, made his first Holy Communion. And how did you see that? I sent you a picture, I think, of how he received his first. Oh, of course, I got it right here. It's kneeling down on the tongue. I got it right here. Right. Of course. Right. Makes he sense. received on the tongue and kneeling down. Of course. By, by Bishop Barrett. <laughs> I got it. By, by Bishop, Bishop Barrett, Robert an American Barrett. bishop, right? Good. Okay. So this is this is this is great. That's great news. I'm 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 very happy for him, and I pray that. His conversion go on until the to until three hours after he's dead. Amen. You know, you mentioned Bishop right. Barron. <clears throat> Before we go on to this Dutch bishop blasting the cowardly fiducia supplicants and urges scandalized Catholics not to leave the church. A great article from LifeSite. Bishop Barron said this years ago, and I wrote it down. He said, 
about five years ago. He said, it is a sign of a corrupt church that stops thinking deeply about the truths of Christianity. A church that is against being precise about its teaching is a corrupt church. Now, I don't agree with everything Bishop Barron does, okay? I hardly agree with anybody 100% for anything. But I would say Bishop Barron... Gary, from... from from, I, I think our audience should know in 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 in, in all this, we must disclose you've even disagreed with me I think on two and a half occasions. There you go, two and a half. That's cute. <laughs> well, but with Bishop Barron saying that it's a sign of a corrupt church that that isn't precise about its teaching, he nailed exactly. it. Think about what's gone on. Exactly. And I'm not talking just about eleven years. I'm talking sixty years. Okay. Now there's some things that mm-hmm. you know Lever taught to Splendor that Pope John Paul II put in which was fantastic, bringing Thomas back into the picture. But I wanted just to, to, to say this, that this is the Bishop Rob uh, Munsters, and I think that we should be praying for him because he's like a lone ranger in, Dutch, in the Dutch uh, church. He said, um, you know, and this is, I would think, you know, he would get fired for saying this. He said, this pontificate will naturally come to an end, which is true. The Pope's getting old. Nobody gets out alive. Uh, he said, uh, should you obey him? And the bishop said, no, but stay in the church. In other words, it's a resistance. Now, someone would say, well, hey, you can't. You always have to obey the pope. Well, if the pope is teaching something that's not consistent with the perennial teachings of the church, we have to love him by saying, no, that's not what the church has taught. For example, and I'm just going to throw one example, his personal preference last Sunday, you heard about it, it was on Italian television with over 3 million people. He said, I hope that there's nobody in hell. Okay, He says this, I'd like to think that hell is empty. Uh, He says, I know it's not a dogma, uh, but uh, that's how I would like to see it. Now, Pope John Paul II made something similar, but he added something. He said, yeah, I would like to see that hell, I would hope that nobody's in hell, but that's not what the Bible says. Scripture shows us of that there's plenty of, of souls in hell. You see the difference between the two pontificates? One is, you know, oh, yeah, we hope, oh, yeah, nobody. But you see, this is the same pontiff, Father Murr, who said, I don't like the, um, the, the prayer that we pray, pray uh, before, well, before we go, uh, the act of contrition, because he said it's too hard on people. What? <laughs> oh my God, I'm hard, sorry for having offended thee. No, it's right here in the article. I, I was shocked. I said, too hard? I mean, this is an interview on Sunday. Now, this is his personal preference, but we need to pray for this man because the church in these prayers that we've said, we call them traditional prayers of, you know, um, I mean, it's too hard to say the act of contrition. See, here's the bottom line, and I'm just a layman, Father Murr, to correct me if I'm wrong, but I question and I pray for the Holy Father, but doesn't he understand that um, sin separates us from God and that we have free will to choose God and to choose not God. In other words, the only value in saying yes to God is that we have the freedom to say no. And certain people are saying no. They send themselves to hell. Don't think that we're sending him. No. So I guess my point to you is when we correct the Pope, and I'm going to get back into this article, is that the Holy Father's ideas are so foreign to traditional Catholicism, we're scratching our heads saying, Holy Father, wh- where did you get this idea? It's not Catholic. So that's my take. Well, excuse me, Terry. It's, 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 
the the bishop that you're going to read, I yeah, assume I parts right or snippets of, of, yeah. of the Dutch bishop. I am. Uh, he 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 says actually says it as a bishop. What I've said for years, and so have you. Mm -hmm. uh, we used to say jokingly. Oh yes. Uh, is is the is the Pope Catholic? Of course he is, right? As a as a as a rhetorical as a rhetorical question to something. I mean, it's obvious, yeah. right? Yeah. It's obvious what I just got done saying. Well, all of a sudden, the, the bishop says it's no joking matter anymore. It's <laughs> we now ask it as a serious question: Is the Sad. Pope Catholic? Yeah. I, I thought that, that's pretty strong. It is. We finally, but but you know what, Terry? It's it's we've been talking about this happening for years. You yeah. and I. Yeah. It's finally happening. Yeah, it's and, finally and happening. When we come back, I'm going to read some of the letter from the Dutch bishop regarding the church in Holland and how it applies to us today. We need to know the roots of what we call it's modernism. Let's just call it for what it is. All right, we'll be back in a moment. Stay with us on the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin, those powerful ratings. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the Terry Guest Show. We're talking about an article called Dutch Bishop Blast Cowardly Fiducia Supplicants Urges Scandalized Catholics Not to Leave the Church. I've seen that with priests. Uh, we're telling people don't leave the church. I've had many conversations like this. I'm going to go into like the fourth, dot, fourth paragraph where it says, Where all this leads is clear to me. In my country, Holland has, has a development began back in the 1960s with a so-called pastoral council. And I want to just say pastoral council means let's compromise uh, doctrine, okay? All doctrinal concepts were eroded. Yeah. Thomas Aquinas was canceled. William Abacum was put on the throne. Oh, boy. They called this council pastoral. By now, Netherlands is the most secularized country in the entire world. There was only one bishop who resisted. Sounds like the Church of England. He mm -hmm. really cared about the souls of the faithful. The rest were silent. Yeah, boy, silent. Oh, my gosh. In the Netherlands, the subject of pastoral theology, it was invented. <laughs> but it's not a right. science. It is used to relativize real science. What, that is exactly what Pope Francis is doing. That is exactly what Cardinal Fernandez is doing. That is exactly what Fiducio Supplicans is doing. Morality, and here, here, this is, listen to this, folks. Morality is pitted against dogmas. That's exactly what Amoris Letitia has been doing. Your thoughts, Father? Yeah, this, he, he hits it right on the head. It's, it's really, I mean, this, I, I really, I have to meet this man. I really have to meet him. I'm serious. I, I want to. Uh, since Vatican II, well, not, yeah, even before, and, Vatican II came was called before Vatican Pastoral II. Council. Yep. Pastoral Council. Right. And, and they kept saying, we're not dealing with dogmas right. and Obviously. doctrine. Yep. We're not going to change anything like that. We're not going to get into that. This is just pastoral. Well, what that means is uh, uh, it's watered down. It's watered down doctrine. Yes. So we're not going to get into doctrine. We're going to, we're going to talk about how people feel about this and what they think about this and how they feel about that. That's pastoral. How do you approach someone in a pastoral situation? All right. Let me give you an idea of what pastoral was was before the council, what it yeah, is I, after the yeah, council. This is a pastoral situation. Yeah. I go into a situation. A man has cancer. Mm -hmm. 
right? He calls for a priest. I realize that the woman who answered the door is not his wife. Mm -hmm. right? I talked to the two of them. No, they've been living together for the last 10 years. Bop, 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 a situation like this. They cannot get married in the church because he's already he was already married. She was already. It's a whole, right? right? The man wants to make a good confession. He wants to start receiving Holy Communion. He hasn't gone to communion or the sacraments for years. Wow. What do I do? Yeah. Do I say, well, that's your problem and walk away? No, please no. don't. I, I, sit down, I sit down with both of them. And this has happened on many occasions. Mm -hmm. I said, can the two of you promise me to live like brother and sister? Yeah. And, and you know what, Terry? The funny me. thing? Yeah. The funny thing is, usually they both look at me like, well, yeah. I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, what have you got? What do you? What do you? What have you got in your clerical mind? What are you? Yeah. What, are you what are you thinking? Yeah. We. That's what the, the man has cancer. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, when do you think that? When do you think the last time we had sexual relations was? Yeah, exactly. you know, come on, wake up! Yeah. Right. If I can get them to say yes, and they always have. Yes. Then, then I can say with, with authority. Right. I mean, they can do. People are free to do whatever they want, right? Yeah. But I'm talking about if you want if you want the church to approve this, yeah. I can say with authority to the woman, do not leave his side. Right. The man needs you. Yes. I mean, what a sin, what a sin that would be for me as a priest saying, no, 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 you must live it elsewhere. Well, how is he going to survive? Who's going to take care of him? Exactly. Right. So that is a pastoral situation. And that's a pastoral a solution. Of a course it is. Right? We're it, it's bending a little bit. Uh, things and, and but putting putting them right okay we have always had this we have always any good priest saint john vienni uh, uh, don bosco yes. all of the great great priest confessors yes. have had this sure. they, they 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 know how to pre present a, a a pastoral solution however when you go into a council and you say that the council is going to be a pastoral council yes well, what what are you talking about? You're talking about getting around doctrine yeah. and dogma. Yeah. That's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. There's another thing, too. Let me just add this. Please do. Many people have remarked, and they were correct in doing so, that had the Second Vatican Council been interpreted yeah. in the light of tradition, right. there'd be no problem. There'd be no problem. There'd be no problem with any of this. It was not. It was it was created not to be seen in the land of tradition. It was created ambiguously right. to later on be open to anyone's translation yeah, of anything. No question and this is that. this is this is the problem we're we're facing right today. Well, this is exactly where we are today. And this is what this bishop courageously is calling out. Yeah. You know, nobody dares say it. He's saying it. It's great. Yeah. refreshing. I just I just can't believe he's saying this. I've read other articles by him over the years. <laughs> right. And very vocal but but he seems like I guess he's in a little corner that maybe the the uh, the holy see just says, "Well, let him let him continue because um Terry, don't you think don't you think that with Pachamama yeah. and with the blessing situation, yeah. people are saying, no, "That's enough. Come on, that's yeah. enough." Well, I now. do I do think that as a matter yeah, of that, fact, that's 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 enough. You you can look at even just the statistics of, of, of some of the um, people are doing, uh, what do you call it, reports on on what they, uh, people think about Pope Francis, and they've gone way down. His, his popularity's gone down. 
Here's the other thing that I want to, on a practical level. I'm, Terry, I've got to laugh. I've got to laugh, too. His popularity among Protestants has gone down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no question about it. I, uh, I agree with you. It's a sad uh, situation, and we have to pray for Holy Mother, the church. But, you know, his point is you don't leave the church. And Father Murr, I know well, right. I've had many conversations, just especially in the last month. I mean, it's been a month since this document you know came it. out where people are saying, well, why, you know, <clears throat> this is, uh, I, I think, I think one of the articles from, from uh, the, the, uh, the uh, <clears throat> Catholic World Report, Olson, uh, had a very, had a very good title. His point, I'm taking, I have it right here, Perpetual Changing, Welcome to the Church of Perpetual Change and Confusion. Mm. And, and that's, what we have to do, we have to just say, okay, this is what <clears throat> we're getting from Rome, but we still need to just go, we'll pray for them, and we'll stick with the, t t the traditional teachings of the church and, and live holy lives because um, there is no other place to go, Father Murr, as we've said over and over again. Uh, and this pont I, had a I, I had a very good friend of mine call me up when, when this, uh, this blessing thing yeah, hit. The, the, the Pachamama. Uh, processing with idols into St. Peter's Basilica uh, got got everyone's attention right to begin with. Something very wrong. Amor Leticia also. Yes. But but with this, when this came out, this friend called me and he was completely serious. He said, "Well, I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm out of here. I'm I'm finished." He said, "All I have to do now is join the Democrat Party, and that's it." <laughs> Well, you know, some yeah, people have said it, that, yeah, what, what's the difference between this pontificate and the Democrat Party? They seem to be... Nothing. In that Very exactly. little. But, you know, Father, I wanted to mention in this article, uh, he said that the state, that the state of affairs in Rome is clearly coming to light so that the reversal now is possible. You kind of hinted to that. Point. I think, I think, I, I hope. I hope that's well, we're optimistic. Both of us are very optimistic. Even yeah. if we're down nine runs in the bottom of the ninth, we're going to win. This is this is what I this is what I'm saying, <laughs> Terry. Uh, uh, I've been on some other some other sure. programs. The they they were talking about the proximate the upcoming conclave for the election of the yeah. new pope. Yeah. Which with the right. Yeah. And I said, I yes, I'm very optimistic. Oh yeah. I'm very optimistic. I'll tell you why. <laughs> they said, well, how can you be optimistic? If if the Pope has named two thirds of, of the of the voters, it's like like the fix is in. Sure, the fix is in. As said, first of all, if he thinks, if he thinks or anybody thinks that those two thirds of the voters are on his total yeah, side, taking the Kool Aid, no way. Very very wrong. That's right. When you get down to it, those men are being asked to vote before God, before God. They're asked to be to be voting their conscience. That's right. And who would be the right? And I think anyone, even a blind man now, yes, can see. And I think that's your point. That, that was the is point, the point you were trying to make. Yeah. Right? Yes, I am. Yeah, they can see. Look, that we cannot continue this way. Yeah. We can't. We just can't continue lining up and jumping off the cliff. <laughs> this, is, this is not the way to go. In this paragraph that I'm going to read, uh, that I just started to read, I want to get your take because. He says the now the state of affairs is Rome is clearly coming to light that the reversal is possible. Look at those whom the Pope surrounds himself with. Okay, with James Martin, Father James Martin, Francis is promoting McElroy, a cardinal in San Diego, the man who believes. Are you ready for this? <clears throat> that the Church should change its teaching on sodomy. 
Really? Yes. Let's yep. just call it by name. <clears throat> he promoted Hollerick. <clears throat> this is the cardinal who ran the um, the, the last Senate on Senatality. <clears throat> and this car- Hollerick, I remember watching it on video on YouTube. He believes that the church's morality regarding sexuality is scientifically, sociologically wrong, uh, wrongly based. Nothing about the Word of God. Who cares about the no, Word of God? No, you know I mean? no. Get that. And he says, he writes to Sister Janine uh, Grimmick that he supports her New Ways ministry. Let me just throw something here. People say, well, what, what sounds pretty good, New Ways ministry. No! <laughs> this New Ways ministry is promoting sodomy, homosexuality, yes. active homosexuality, yes. unlike Father Harvey's Courage, uh, which right. is another group that you had contact with, and I did too. And it seems to me that the Holy See is attracting all of the dissenters, all of the guys yes. who, who teach things that are contrary to the deposit of faith. So it seems to me that, yeah, you, you'd have to be blind not to see all this now. Yeah. You also have to do, you also have a, a, a wrong, uh, a very wrong approach to things. When you get on a talk show, Terry, <laughs> yeah. When you get on a talk show in Italy and you're speaking to three million people and you're telling them, you know, I wouldn't tell you this. If I had if I had an opinion, Terry, that was different from the doctrine of the church, I wouldn't share that with you. Of course not. It's called prudence. Stay with us. Not right. I'm I'm, I'm ruining. I'm ruining your concept. We'll be back in a moment. The concepts that you have. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Father Murr filling in for Jess Romero. You know, Father, I always like to lead the show in a positive way. And I, I just opened up my Life of Christ by Fulton Sheen. And Good. we're talking about, he's, he's got a section on John the Baptist. Boy, do we need a John the Baptist today in the church? You know who my John the Baptist is? I'll, I'll just be quite frank. There's several people. I'll say Archbishop Vigano, uh, Father, um, uh, excuse me, B- Bishop Snyder, uh, Bishop um, Strickland, and others. There's just a handful of these guys that are saying, I'm going to speak the truth even if it costs my head. So, St. John the Baptist, please pray for us. Let me read this section of the life of Christ and then give your comment on it. It says, The awful silence of 30 years was interrupted only by a brief scene in the temple. The time was now coming to move from privacy to publicity, to public, because of the event was to, was to be work, a world-shaking. Luke connects the appearance of the herald of John the Baptist with the reign of the tyrant Tiberius, the ruler of Rome. Pliny, who was later on to write as a Roman historian about Christ, was now a child of four. Wow. Vespasian, who later on would conquer Jerusalem with his son, Titus was not was 19. One of the very important marriages in Rome at the time was that of the daughters of Germanius, who nine years later, was to give birth to the great persecutor of Christ's followers, Nero. Isn't that interesting? Uh-huh. In the midst of this relative Roman peace, and then Bishop Sheen quotes Luke chapter 3, verse 2, the word of God came upon John, the son of Zechariah, in the desert. And uh, then he goes into talking about John was living in the desert. 
what's the connection here, Father Murr, with what Bishop Sheen's talking about? Uh, I mean, he's giving such background at the time of John the Baptist that I don't think many people realize. I sure didn't. Well, what Bishop Sheen is trying to do mm -hmm. and what every great theologian has tried to do yeah. is show the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yes. Be that Christ is the fulfillment of everything that happened before. Mm -hmm. And one of the things prophesied about the Messiah mm -hmm. was that a great prophet would come, would precede him mm -hmm. to announce him. Right. Yep. And that is, that is John the Baptist. Right. Our Lord said, our Lord said of, of John the Baptist, no greater man was born of a woman right. than John the Baptist. But there's something else too, Terry. Tell me. And I would I would love I would love to share this with you Please because do. you already know it. You already know it. Sure. But yeah, on that on, in the same vein that you're asking the question. Yeah. And I'm answering it from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Uh Sheen himself gave me this idea and very few times when I'm offering mass yeah am I not conscious of his remarks okay. in this moment of Good. mass all right yeah uh here's the thing sheen does not just what he's doing what you're reading here he goes way back and he says abraham mm. is offering god sacrifice daily god asks for his his son. Yeah. Right? Okay. On the way up the hill, oh, there's a longer version too, and you can read it in Gene because it's beautiful the way he does it. Mm -hmm. but on the way up the hill to the sacrifice, Isaac, the son, says, Father, where is the lamb? Right. right. Now, get this. The father with his only son and his son carrying wood on his back to burn the sacrifice are going up a mountain, yeah. are going up a hill for the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. What is this? If this isn't a prefiguration of a prefiguration of, of Calvary, what is it? The only son of the only father, the son carrying wood on his back, looking for the lamb. And the father, Abraham, and she does a beautiful job of this. He really should be read completely on this. The son asks, where is the lamb? And Abraham stops and turns and he says, he answers it with a non-answer. He says, God will provide. Yeah, that's beautiful. God will provide. Right? How many times you've said that in your life? You, you knew it to a question, to a problem that came up. We don't know what to do, and we know in faith God will provide. Amen. Okay. Well, again, he asks him, but where is the lamb? Right. God will provide. And Sheen says this, and he does it in the most dramatic fashion. That's why it, it's it's a uh, he really impressed it upon me. Mm -hmm. He imprinted it. That question. Where is the lamb was taken up by the winds of Moriah and held there for centuries until John the Baptist saw his cousin, Jesus Christ, 
Jesus the Christ arriving for baptism. And what does John shout out the first thing? There's the lamb. Exactly. Wow. Right. Yep. So what he's saying is that question, where is the lamb, is answered with John. John was given the privilege to say, Eche on day. Behold. In other words, there, there's the lamb. Yep. He's answering that question. This is fantastic. When I hold a post yes. to the people and I say, Eche Anus Dei, Eche Quitoli Pecata Mundi. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. I'm repeating John the Baptist's wow. words. Beautiful. Right? Yes. Behold him, here he is. Yep. Well, I say the same with the same reality that John pronounced it because he really is here. It's This is fantastic. And what Sheen tries often to do, and, he, and, and rightly so, yes. he's making this bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Right. This exists in no other religion. I keep telling people, in no other religion is the is the is is there a Messiah who is pre-established. Right. right. This is this is wonderful. And this is why the Holy Sacrifice, the Mass, is so central to our faith. And I want to encourage, I'm going to be going to Holy Mass in about 50 minutes here at the chapel. And I would encourage our listeners, if you have an opportunity, at least if you can't get to the Mass, make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament. And think about what Father Mur just said about the old and the new. Uh, this is what we need to be focusing on. Like I say, the end of the show, I always like to have this. And Father, you nailed it. And that is the supernatural. I mean, we have to have that in our life. Why do you think so many young people are attracted to, for, for the traditional Mass? We just said that at the beginning of the show at Leboeuf. I mean, the, the, the Mass is beautiful. That It's sacred. The, I mean, we're tired of the mundane. The world has nothing to offer us. Jesus Christ has everything to offer us because life is short and eternity is forever. Father Murray, your final thoughts before we go. Yeah, yesterday I had a great interview Good. with a, a, a secular television station. Okay, so they're not re they're not religious at all. But the young woman was was just so gracious, really, really, really uh, great yeah. talking to her. It was the the program was supposed to go on for forty five minutes, but went on for two hours. What? Right? <laughs> yeah. So and so, but she said she came up with this, which is not original, but it was original to her. Yeah. Uh, uh, I believe in God. I, and I believe in Jesus Christ, but I have no time for the church. Oh, yeah, typical. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, yeah, I've heard that all my life. Oh, yeah. Uh, I said, well, isn't that a shame? You're never going to have the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. You're never going to have the Eucharist? And well, well, that's important. I said, important? Christ said that if you don't have him, you don't live in him and he doesn't live in you. What do you mean it's important? It's fundamentally important. It's it, it's his very life in you. Yep. What a shame. And you're never sure that your sins are forgiven? What a shame. What a shame. That that I'm I'm sad. I'm sad. Well, she's sort of like, yes, oh. Really. Really. I never, <laughs> yeah. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I, I never thought of it that way. Well, this is this, this is it. The, the mass, the Eucharist is everything. Yep. It is the culmination of everything that we have. It's the sacrifice of Calvary Amen. in an unbloody manner every single day, every single minute of the day, all over the world. 
Isn't that incredible? And if we really it's beautiful, believe, Father, if we really believed that our churches would be packed, and you know, I hate yes, they would. Yes, yes, they would. They yes, they would. That, that was going on every mass. And I think that there's another thought I have. I don't know if you have been taught this, but I was taught this since I was a child that every mass I go to, think of it as your potentially last mass that you're going to be able to participate and stay focused. It, it, that advice was a priest, a uh, very traditional priest from Ireland, who told me every Mass you go to, pay attention, because this could be, you know, uh, your last Mass on the planet. So that, that I thought... The that beautiful, the beautiful Carmelite sisters in San Francisco, with that, where I used oh, to Crystal be chaplain. Oh, Crystal Ray, Crystal Ray, baby, they're great. Crystal Ray, uh, what, what a fantastic, what, a, what, a, what an oasis, a yeah. paradise of <laughs> spirituality. Great. Yeah. But in the sacristy, they have a great, they have a, a, a letrero, a sign, mm -hmm. and it's done by one of the sisters in calligraphy. It says, while, while the priest is vesting, it says, priest of God, offer this mass as if it were your first mass. Wow. Offer this mass as if it were your last mass. Wow. Offer this mass as if it were your only mass. Oh, that's so beautiful. We can apply that to us as lay people. Well, you you leave you leave that sacristy with that in your mind. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's There's reverence. There's beauty. There's Wonderful. respect. Father, could you give us a blessing, please? I could. Thank you. Yes. Please. And thank you. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost descend upon you and remain forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Father. One last thing. We talked about some of your books. People can just go to uh, uh, charlesmurr.com. Is that correct to pick up some of your books? That's right, charlesmurr.com, and you'll see right there section of books. Yeah, please get some. And again, I want to thank everybody for joining us here today and also supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, where ultimately it's about souls. That's why we get up in the morning to do what we do, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in spite of scandal. Because you know what? We're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. Father Mayor, what state should we be living in? It's either Alaska or Hawaii. <laughs> the state of grace. The state of grace, of course. It. I love it. Course. And, and again, Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. We can participate in the salvific work of Christ by offering all of our sufferings in union with the sufferings of Christ to help redeem the world. What an idea that has been given to us, and it's a teaching of the church. But please, Terry, join me. Uh, Terry, evidently our lady hasn't heard the latest. Yeah, I hear you. That no one is in hell. Right? I hear you. Yeah, give me a break. Thanks again. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.